0: Your shoulder
1: is raised up even when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to evangelism and helping others, when you have financial peace, guess what? Most of the troubles and the worries that drains your health, that drains our peace, is taken away. And that's the reason why today, as part. Of the courage the Lord is given us from above today, we want to listen as well to somebody who is seasoned in this area of financial advice, financial cancer, to families, to individuals. You know, when we talk about American dream, American dream is a is a dream that gives one peace if you are able to attain it. Many have money, but they don't have wealth. It is good if you can begin to create wealth with, with the little that you have. And that's the reason why this morning I wanted to fast in your belt very, briefly. My servants of God, he's been here before with the family. Uh, I want to recognize, first and foremost, the pillar.
2: The <laughs>
1: The solid (laughs) rock that is holding the back the backbone of the servant of God to be able to do what he's doing all around. And the entire family that are here tonight. I mean this morning. I want to appreciate Pastor Delis Eliasing. And the Eliasing descendants union. (laughs) Good. God, please. Uh, the brother is here all the way from Bola. God bless you all and the, my other girls here. Amen. Amen. Can you scream, praise the Lord?
2: Praise the
1: Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. At this time, I want you to make notes. And I want you to prepare to ask questions because there will be question time. It's a seminar today. The man of God will be presenting, and as many questions as you may have in any area that pertains to finance your finance. Just be free to ask for have like five-ten minutes after his presentation for us to be able to encourage us. Don't look at that little in your bank account as being little to invest. Don't think you're not supposed to be among those who control the economy of this land. Or even that of the world, you can make it. Let me tell somebody and say, you can make it. If God can talk to Joshua and say, no one will be able to, to stand before you. All the days of your life. You think the, the word is for Joshua? Joshua was not even in the covenant that we had. It was not in the time of grace. This time is your time. Okay. Let me put your hands together Pastor Emmanuel yes. Amen. Yes. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Is
1: somebody blessed this morning?
3: Lift your hands, to the heavily and say with me in the name of Jesus. I am blessed beyond measure. The grace of God is upon me this morning. I experience the favor of God. I experience the peace of the Lord. I will not be here the same. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm honored to be here this morning with my wonderful wife, Pastor Delise, and uh, some of my kids, except Evangeline, who is still in Boulder. Shimon, this year, I think you had mask. Put you up, yes. Eldridge and Ethan, oh. Emily, Sister Lees, and Leanna, all here. Hallelujah. We are family. Hallelujah. This is our home as well. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. I believe most of you know you me. Don't. My name is Pastor Emmanuel Elias, and uh, I oversee World Gospel Tabernacle. Our ministry is transitioning to more apostolic in nature, strengthen pastors and teachers. and Evangelists and churches around the country as we impact the body of Christ. And we have decided to uh, put some emphasis on the area of financial blessing in the body of Christ so we can also, uh, as people of God, make our contribution to the house of the Lord. It is my privilege to be invited today by the overseer of this house, Pastor Richard and Mama as well, to come and minister to you. Uh, if you didn't know, your pastor is the president of the Colorado Association of African Pastors. Hallelujah. <laughs> Give God a praise and a for his life, A very, very big responsibility that he has today uh, to lead the people of God and the pastors in the city for the strength of the body of Christ. So, Margo, we salute you. We appreciate your leadership. We thank you for your work. My wife is is his assistant as a vice president as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Today uh, is going to be a different type of church service. Hallelujah. Uh, Because we are going to talk about finances and about money, about blessing. Just to set the record straight, God is not against blessing. Hallelujah. God is not against blessing. The Bible is not against money. The Bible does not teach against being blessed. It is the world's mindset and our mindset about this area that is keeping us away from this important part of our body as Christians. Everything we do in the body of Christ requires some level of financial contribution. The gospel is free. The preaching of the gospel is free. But the dissemination of it, the distribution of it, the ability to spread it requires resources to do it. It requires people to do that. It requires us to avail our time, our talents, our resources, our intellectual capabilities, everything so we can go out and be the hands and the feet of Christ in nations, in in communities. But without us being positioned where we ought to be financially, we are drawn back for for our ability to be able to do it. That is why we as Christians must learn and continue to improve ourselves in this area. I found that beyond most, th- most things, finances is one of the most challenging parts of all our lives. And I believe that it is important that we begin to really dive into this part of our life so we can be effective in it. As Pastor was saying, it will not, so that it doesn't hinder us from being effective. Because when you are financially sound, it gives you a level of liberty mm-hmm. to worship. It gives you a, li- a level of liberty to be able to fellowship. You know, if you are going on a mission trip, you're not worrying about how is my rent going to be paid? You know, if God is sending you to, even nationally, to, to go out on some kind of a, a program that the church has put together, you know, you, you're not concerned about how am I going to eat and drink my kids and basic things. And that's why it's very important that we learn and continue to improve ourselves in that area. I want us to be to pay very particular attention, to take notes and uh, be engaged in this conversation this morning. I'm a financial professional, but most of my work, I focus a lot within the body of Christ, the communities that we serve. And I feel like, it requires some of us to understand this part of the world so we can accurately communicate to our own people. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going to lay a few biblical foundations before we dive into some of the practical parts. If you want a title for you know what I'm sharing today, you know, you can put out divine empowerment for practical success divine empowerment for practical success. Pastor told me that this is a season of courage, a month of courage. So let's, let's turn to Joshua. Joshua's chapter one. And uh, let's take it from, I think I'll back up from verse five where, I saw it earlier on. Joshua chapter one, let's take it from verse five. It reads, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people, I shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever You go. Verse 8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Somebody shout amen to that. So when Joshua takes over from Moses, we find these are some of the very instructions that God gives to him to position him for his leadership of the people to the next assignment. All of us, we have an assignment. God has a specific assignment for us. We all have gifts and talents and abilities. We all have divine Grace placed upon us. There is an anointing upon you. The anointing that is upon you is not only meant for this sanctuary. The anointing over your life is not only meant for these four corners of this room. It is supposed to impact the world, it's supposed to impact our communities, it's supposed to impact your workplace. In this book, we are told, he says, you ought to meditate upon this word day and night. Nobody is able to stand before you. He says, I'll go with you throughout your years. If you can do it, you will experience good success. You may have read, let's go to Deuteronomy. Again, I'm laying some basic foundations for us as we build up on this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. Here are the word of God says. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Shout amen to that. I'm reading from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Not from my textbook. The text of God. He says that you will remember the Lord your God. For it is he, it is who God that gives you power. That empowers you divinely. That gives you that courage. That gives you that ability. That gives you the grace. It is God's will for you and for me to be empowered. To get that level of courage. That grace. To get wealth. So, according to scripture... It is God's will for you to be wealthy. I don't know what you think, but what this is what I read. According to the word of God, it is God's divine desire for you and for me to be wealthy. If anybody tells you otherwise, point the scriptures to them. but there is a reason for that particular wealth. Unlike the wealth, we have a specific reason for the wealth that God wants to give unto us. He says that he may establish his covenant, which he has swore. God has a covenant. He has swore to our fathers. Abraham, Isaac, we know that. But we have to demonstrate that covenant by experiencing wealth in every area, not just on the spiritual level, but also materially. Wealth, money, prosperity is not the devil's property. (laughs) It's not for the devil. It is God that gives you power. To create wealth, it is God that graces you, gives you the grace to be able to generate wealth. It is God's design for you. You are designed by divine grace that you create, produce, and be able to multiply in the area of wealth. It is God's will. Never buy the, that idea that was ask me, my family. Nobody ever prospers who ask for me, my father. No, 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 no. It's, it's not biblical. Again, I'm laying some spiritual foundation for us. that it's okay to experience this blessing. Let's look at Job 8, verse 7. He says, though your beginning was small, shall be small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. Shall be Though your beginning may be small, yet your latter end shall be great. Though you may have come from a humble beginning, but your latter end shall be great. Though it was not so good during last pandemic and everything was downside up, but the greater end is still available for you. Though your family has never, ever produced any Melania yet, if you set your mind to it and believe the word, you shall be the first to make the mark. Though your beginning may be small, it doesn't matter where you begin. It's not about how you begin, it's how you end.
2: Nice.
3: It's not how you begin, beloved. How are you ending the race? All of us have the same playing field, the same blessing, the same opportunity. It's in the Bible, right here. Let's take a couple of more. I'm, I'm trying to lay some foundations, giving you the tools from the Bible that as we dig deeper into some of the practical steps, it's not like, you know, well, this is only for the world. No, it's right for us. Hallelujah. Let's look at um, 3 John chapter two, I believe, in verse two. Yeah, 3 John, the letter of John, the third letter of John, I believe. Chapter one, verse two. This first, this one chapter there. Verse 2. Okay. It reads this. John 1. 1. Chapter verse 2. Beloved. I pray that you may prosper. In all things. And be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Beloved. Christ speaks ministries. Beloved. He says, I wish about all things, some version says, that ye may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. This is a season where being in good health is so important. Hallelujah. Being physically healthy is important. Being able to prosper is important. He says, as your soul prospers. But then it seems to be, we seem to have focused all our attentions on our soul's prosperity. Yeah, I mean, have you seen that we don't have to be born again, 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 and again, again, and again, 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 again? No. If we confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, if you believe in our heart, we are saved. He has finished the work on the cross for us. We don't have to repeat anything. By faith, we receive it, we believe. But our lives continue. It's a journey thereafter to be able to experience that new life in a practical sense. So our soul prosperity, it seems to be the, the thing that we have focused so much on, neglecting the fact that there are other aspects that goes along with it. This letter is saying that he hopes, he believes,
1: He to guide us. he says, I desire, I pray, I
3: anticipate, I envision that you may prosper in all things. That our wallets may also prosper. That our bank accounts may prosper. That our careers may prosper. That our businesses may prosper. That every aspect of our lives may prosper. Even as our soul prospers. Even as we stay in good health. Let's go to one more verse of scripture. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. If you can believe, the if is a conditional word there. It's conditioned on your belief. It's up to us to believe. It is up to you and me to believe. That is where I'm going to give my first important element, dealing with the practical aspect of world creation and financial breakthroughs. I can categorically tell us that whether you are rich, or poor, or you'll be rich or poor, whether you experience a financial breakthrough of any level or not, it's all dependent on your belief. It's all in our head. For as a man taken in his heart, so is he. It's all dependent on what you think, what you see yourself to be. This is the key factor that distinguishes between those who excel and those who do not. Because even though your beginning may be small, greater shall be your latter end. But what are you thinking? What is your belief system? How do you see yourself in this area? Let me make it clear. There is no lack of money at all, ever. There is enough money for everybody on this planet Earth. Enough resources, gold, silver, diamond, everything is in abundance. If you read Genesis chapter 1, God, when he created everything, everything was totally in abundance. And he told the first man, woman, have dominion. Exercise dominion. I give you power. Rule and reign. Whether we take our portion of what is already us, for us or not, depends on how we see the world. This is what the quote-unquote rich people won't tell you. But it is in our Belief. And we call ourselves believers. Hello?
1: Hello.
3: We call, we are, are
1: we believers?
2: Yeah.
3: Yes, we are believers. But the one thing we don't believe is that riches and blessings are our portion. We have been taught to think and to believe that we have to really suffer to be blessed. We have to struggle. I'm talking to immigrants for all parts of Africa, mostly Nigeria, Ghana, whatever, Africa or whichever country you come from. We have been taught to believe that there is not enough. You have to struggle. You have to go through pain to be able to experience any financial blessing. It's not true. It's a lie. I'm telling you, if you understand how this system Works you realize that God has blessed us abundantly, and his desire for us is not to suffer, to struggle to be able to experience the blessing he's already placed here for us. So the first thing is to examine our mindset of how we think about money, finance, and breakthroughs financially. Because by God's design, if you don't believe it, he cannot release it to you. It is going to go contrary to the principles of nature and to the laws of God. That if your capacity is not designed to be somebody who holds a certain level of wealth, you will not be able to receive it. Because what happens is that when it comes to you, it will damage you. you you are not ready to contain somebody said i believe jim, jim, jim Ron. he said that you know you better become a melonier fast before somebody gives you that money because if you don't in your head in your mind in your capacity when it comes to you it will destroy you that's why you hear a lot said that especially in the sports world, many people become millionaires or get a lot of money and they just end so badly. All people who win lottery. You've had you can research yourself that a lot of people win lottery and give them just a few years and they are back to where they are. I read had someone say that if the world's riches. Where to be distributed and redistributed evenly amongst everybody. Give it a few moments; it will all shift back to where it came from. Just like that, it will all shift back because of the kind of system that is being operated, the kind of mindset that we have. So I challenge us today. Just as we believe for healing, we don't have problem to believe for healing. No, we don't have problem to believe to be saved. The same way you lift your hands and Lord, I raise my hands and I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I believe today. My life is changed. I'm no more the same. No devil can fight me. No demon can fight me. I am renewed in the name of Jesus. The same principle of belief, the same way you came to Christ and you believed, the same way you received healing of any sickness is the same way you receive the blessing of financial breakthrough in your mind of believing. The same way. Once that part is settled, which is our mindset of it. Now, naturally speaking, this is what happens. Your friends begin to change. Some people that you work with, suddenly they unfriend you on Facebook. You don't understand why they offended you. <laughs> suddenly you go something, ah, mama. This this and now you should become to something new. Something is repelling you from them. There is an anointing has come upon you that if the person is not working on the same mindset, you can't flow with them. What? This is saying that the best of the same well. work together. Yeah. Eagles will not try looking for chickens. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Eagles fly with eagles. So what happens is suddenly the people you walk with your associations, when you move, the kind of people you relate with begin
1: to change.
3: If you look at scriptures, there are people that come into people's life. This is, it's because of you I can see my blessing. That's how it is. Your associations change. Your relationships change. The people you connect with, you feel connected with, they begin to change. In that, opportunities are presented to you. Offers are given to you. Ideas are shared with you. Resources are open to
1: you. Things that seem to be impossible suddenly is possible.
3: Because God works in the affairs of life through men. Save men. Never discount what God will do through a man. We do not depend on men. We depend on God. But God chooses to use whoever he will choose to use. So on this planet called Earth, Men are those who exercise control and power over the things of this land. So when God places you in the right position, or right places, people that would normally try to bring impediment to you, suddenly they will favor you. I'm teaching you very important principles of life. That sets us apart because suddenly we get some holy ghost that God is blessing us with. We lay hands on people. They are falling down. Suddenly, some arrogance comes into us and, you know, no, 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 don't. Remember, God will use people. So we have a mindset we have to understand. We have the associations that God will place us into that creates opportunities. And there are certain systems that we have to understand how to operate in, in the area of finance. We are talking about divine empowerment for practical success. When God's em- empowerment comes upon us, when his anointing comes upon us, when his blessing comes upon us, it comes upon us so that it can manifest itself. Every spiritual blessing that God ever did manifested itself in a physical realm. If you think about it, Every grace that God manifested had a physical revelation to it. So, in the area of finance and money, when our belief system begins to change, our mindset begins to change, our actions begin to change, our systems begin to change, it's reflected in how we take money issues. Number one, we need to Learn about money, you have to study. You have to research. We need to take these moments like this seriously. When pastors say we have a seminar, don't take it lightly. Because for lack of knowledge, what my people perish. If you don't know, you don't know. Okay. Now there are I talk about three areas of creating wealth. Number one is that your income. Okay, what, what you get, the money you receive, how how are you generating your money? How do you get paid? Income, what comes in? Income means it's coming in. How how does money come to you? You may be working for somebody or working somewhere. Is that right? You get paid for what you do. Or you work for yourself. You have a business or you're trying to start a business either in a service domain or products you create that's how you get paid each of us has to find a way to exchange our resources our time and effort for money which is simply a medium that human beings exchange goods and services please understand that wherever you work or whatever you do for work, you'll be paid, not just by the time you spend there. I know we are paid by the hour, you know, such and such per hour, yes. But in reality, you are being paid for the value that you bring to that organization. So if our work is we work for someone clock in and clock out for the number of time we get paid, then we are only limited by the amount of time we spend there. So the only way to get ourselves in a better financial situation is to make sure that we are being paid a higher rate. If you are being paid 15 or $20 an hour, then you should seek to be paid more than that. Now I will tell you a quick story. I remember when my wife and I had our fourth child. I think it was Ethan. Is that right? We had to make a decision that, uh, you know, four kids were going to daycare and all that expense involved doesn't make sense. You know, we have to make a decision: one of us should stay home to take on the kids rather I to pay the daycare and, you know, and all that other stuff. So we said, okay, you know, she'll stay home and I'll I'll do the work. I'm like, well, to be able to do that. I remember you know I was working on in an oil gas company. I'm like, I was being paid what, like $15 or something an hour. So I'm like, well, she was working. So we had two family, you know, income family. She actually made more than I did. She was working in sales. So to for, for her to stop working, it means our income will cut off. Is that right? Well, guess what? Expenses doesn't cut off. <laughs> the rent is the same. Everything is the same. So to be able to make it work, I decided, I said, okay, well, I have to go to my boss and tell him that I need a pay raise. <laughs> so <laughs> I did go to my boss and I told him. And by then, I think I may have finished my master's program, I believe. I'm not quite sure, but... I went to him and told him, "Look, I think I'm I'm very skilled at what I do. I mean, I have a lot of you know input I put in the company. I think I deserve to have an increase in my pay." The white guy, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did. He looked at me, you know, it's okay, no problem. He increased my pay 100% from $15 to $30 an hour. Yes. He did. That put us as a place that she could quit her job because you know I'm a man of faith, but I'm also pragmatic, trying to calculate to so make sure that everything's in place. That her income dropping off will not impact us as a family. Because I went to ask for my value to be increased. I'll spend the same time there, but my value went up. That is how you increase your income by being paid a higher rate. Sometimes maybe you have to improve yourself, take a you know, better course in your area of your field. Maybe you're in a medical field or whatever, you started as PCP or CNA. Well, you take a few courses to the next level, You know next level, you know, register, whatever else takes you, so you command that level of income. You can negotiate yourself up. Hallelujah. Amen. We have control over that. Now, if, that, and that is when you are exchanging your time for money. Some of us may be just working in businesses for ourselves. You need to know how to make your business profitable. Charging more for the same work. By providing best value for people. Whatever it is, our income is a critical part for what will receive. And if our income level is small, it doesn't matter how much effort we put in. We spend so many hours, hours, and the money doesn't seem to be enough. Because the rate of pay is very small. if the rate of pay is high you can put on the same number of hours or few hours and you have more income that frees your time to be able to improve yourself even more for other opportunities or devote your time for more opportunities or maybe just serving the house of god if that's a part of your passion so income say income. income income is important and finding a way to let your income go up. Is critical. The next element is investment. Say investment. investment. Look, there is no way for all of us to be able to do all the work in the world and make all the money at once just by our effort. It's not possible. We are only limited. We have we are here only in Colorado. You know, we have only 24 hours in a day. We everybody's limited to the time and space. But there is a way for us to allow some of our income. Remember, we are making money, is that right? Some of the income we make, we turn it around into an investment or like a seed. Now, most of us, you know, we grew up in a season where we didn't go to farms and all that, but. We all know the stories of if you're sowing a seed, it takes a while for the seed to grow up and you know bear fruit. That's how investment is. Like you're investing your own self, developing yourself, learning. But most important here, investing some of your money so that some of your money works on your behalf. That is something that the wealthy. Understand to do. Basically, here's how it works. For the wealthy, when they get money, they invest first and then they spend. <laughs> Let me repeat. When the wealthy gets his or her money, they invest first and then what is left now, they spend it. When the poor gets money, They spend, and then if some is left, maybe (laughs) the truth of the matter is that our needs will never end. There will always be somebody at 3 a.m. Somebody's calling from Abuja, from Lagos, from Abuja, from somewhere. Like, ah, okay, this problem. Will, now, if you don't come in, there will always be a need. So, unless we allocate our resources in such a way that, okay, this is what a way to invest to grow, and then the rest is available for daily expenses and helping and others, you realize that money I'll share in I've been on my uh, communications to the community. If you don't assign a name to money, it will create wings and fly. I don't know how, but it will. But if you tell it, money has ears, it hears and it listens. If you tell it, this is what your assignment is, go and perform, it will. But when you leave it loose like that, it will find its way around some way, somehow. That's why at the end of the day, we make 50,000, 60,000, maybe 100,000. Ah, where did the money go? Because things come up and it just goes out of us. But we have to learn to systematically put money away for the money to work on our behalf. One of the secrets is something we call compound interest, say compound interest. You read the parable of the talents in in the gospels, is that right? Yes. Jesus talks about it. The bottom line is that if you take part of your seed and you sow it in an investment vehicle, there are many investment vehicles, for which, you know, when we meet our people one-on-one, we go over details based on everybody's scenario, try to help it with, with that, but you have to find a way to put some of your money in an investment vehicle that grows year by year with the interest building upon itself year by year, without your personal involvement. Sometimes we think unless you you are involved and you are working it, it has, it's not, Money creation or wealth creation. It doesn't have to be so. You don't have to be involved in everything for it to work for you. If you find the right investment vehicles, some of your money on an ongoing basis will work on your behalf. The interest that comes from it be invested continuously, continuously. If you do that over a period of time, you realize that suddenly you are at a higher income bracket because part of your income is invested in working for you on an ongoing basis. This is something that we all have to be diligent at. We have to learn to crucify our flesh. The things that easily draws us before the money hits the bank, we already spent it. I hear Biden is throwing extra $1,400 around for us. Oh, OK, well, before it hit
0: the bank, oh,
3: it's already flowing. Some of us, that the, our tax refund is coming. Before it hit the bank, oh, we already spent it. By the way, <laughs> when, when we get a refund from the government, let me tell you what it means. It means that throughout the year, you lend and consume money at no interest. When is the last time you give somebody money? You say give me money, it's okay, give uh, no interest, it gives them anytime you get a refund from the government, it means that you lend money to the government, no interest.
0: <laughs>
3: you finance the eagles capital without interest. That's what it means.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so talk to your taxes, tax, I'm telling you about tax repair. <laughs> Uh, when we meet, we can explain it a little bit more. But the point I'm trying to raise is that when money comes to us, we have to find vehicles to invest in it. It's time we just saving, is that right? You know, a portion. I have something called 10 10 10 plan. Say the 10 10 10 plan. Okay. okay, this is how it works. You get your paycheck, the first 10% is tithes. We all agree. As a principle, Whatever your part is, as a principle of giving, if you walk in that principle, the blessing of God comes. It's just what it is. 10% of your money, time, bring it to the house of God, sow it in the house of God, believe for God's blessing in that direction. Your next 10%, put it in basic savings account, which is designed to help you for emergency. Now we are all encouraged to have three to six months of our pay sitting in an account, an emergency account, at all times. So let's say you get paid $2,000 a month, for example. Then your emergency fund should be between, what, $6,000 to $12,000. Three to six months of your income should be in an emergency fund that you don't touch. You're just sitting down there. It's a goal you all have. Well, it may not be you may not be there yet, but you are working on that ongoing basis, putting a bit of money to build on that because it allows you to be flexible. If things happen, you are not stranded trying to you know borrow at high interest rate or pulling up your credit card and swiping it and all the other things that will bring our financial life down. So three to six months of our income has been in So we have, you are so having that, see the 10% for time, the next 10% for your savings, and then the third 10%, you put it in an investment of any kind. So if you use this 10-10-10 plan alone as a starting point, I can guarantee you, give yourself the next few years, your financial life will turn around completely. Because a lot of times it's about the discipline, the consistency of doing these things that brings about the change more than just the amount. Don't say I'm going to wait when I want to have 50000 then I'm doing. It. No, it doesn't work like that. Start with the $100 you have today. Hallelujah.
0: I'm
3: going to hit on the third element and wrap up. For us to you know, open up for questions and all that. So, I mentioned income, I mentioned investments. The third component is insurance. Say, insurance. Sure. Now, the word insurance has become like a taboo amongst us Africans because. Somewhere we didn't grow up with it. We we're not taught that right. So when we get insurance, especially we get life insurance, they're like, hey, do you want me to die or what? <laughs> you see, and pastor in the scripture, verse 13, like a good man leaves adherent just to his children's children. Okay. So life insurance is designed to help. You. In fact, remember, it says life insurance, this is a death insurance. It says life insurance. So let me make it clear: life insurance is for the living, not the dead. God scripture says that God is the God of the living, not the dead. Guess what? Life insurance is for the living. Number one. When somebody to pass away, those who are left behind children, spouses, relatives, you know, charity, whatever, they get the benefit, those who are living, number one. Number two, there are life insurance programs that have something we call living benefits, whereby whilst you are alive, God forbid if the enemy try to strike your body with physical illness, whilst we pray from this altar for divine intervention, if you're home recovering and you can't go to work, that insurance contract will give you money so you can pay your bills in the meantime. We call it the benefits. The third component of that is that there are insurance contract that has investment component in it. So as you contribute, you are doing the second element we talk about the investment. It allows you to save and build up equity or growth or resources within the contract. So at the end of the day, no matter how you look at it, you are providing protection for your family, but you're also protecting yourself against, God forbid, the illness that attacks your body that this prevents you from going to work, but also saving and investing for your future. So insurance in general is an important feature. But do you know that auto insurance is required by law? If you have a car, by law, you have to have what? Auto insurance. If you don't, they will pull it up, get a ticket, Whatever. Okay. Medical insurance, yeah. Until Obamacare Care had its own situation, this is kind of also required. Is that right? But life insurance is not required by law. Now, let me ask you this. What is the probability that somebody will actually have an accident? Maybe, maybe not. We all pray divinely for his grace for protection on the roads. And as we drive carefully, is that right? But we sometimes go months and years and years without having to deal with any, you know, car, you know, getting a wreck or anything like that. However, we have to pay because it's the law. It's mandated. Whether you, somebody hits you or not, it's not required. You have to do it. You don't have to go through an asset, you pay because the law says you have to pay. But when it comes to life insurance, well, if Jesus doesn't tarry, okay, and we keep living, how many years you want to live? Tell me. 100? 100, 120? Whatever. How many years you believe God to live? Okay, good. At some point, six feet down the ground, you all go there. Everyone us, Because, remember, that is not the end of us. You are spirit man. This is just a physical body, a suit you carry for today on this planet. But some way, somehow, When we are done with our work here on earth, we move on to glory, we pass. So by all means, if Christ doesn't tarry, we all go through that process. So then why is it that that which will be needed by everybody is not mandated by law? Because the wealthy, again, are living this part of the system to those who understand, who take the necessary steps to secure their position and the portion of the wealth of this land to be able to transfer to the next generation. That's why the rich continue to be richer because they do that and they transfer wealth to the next generation. And the generation after continues to go richer, 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 and those who don't understand these systems do nothing and the generation after generation live in the same system. And I believe that it's time for us to break that cycle and have the money, the tools to be able to experience the blessing and the empowerment that God has for us. As a simple thing, if we work on our income levels, we invest practically and we ensure ourselves the blessing that God has spoken in these scriptures we've read will be experienced by us in a practical way so we can have the freedom to worship and to help the body of Christ do what he ought to do. That is what I believe that we have to be studying and putting into action on a regular basis and reviewing on a regular basis so we can attain the goals that we want to attain. I chose to be very, very simplistic rather than be more technical in those things, but we do the technical things where we meet up one-on-one to try to look at these specific concepts. But I'll open up at this point for questions comments or things maybe I mentioned or I didn't mention you want to, you know, uh, ask to uh, for, for this moment. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Questions, comments, specific concerns, you know, areas you want me to touch. <laughs> Hallelujah. you <laughs>
1: First of all, uh, yeah. uh, what I'm able to glean from the excellent presentation of our speaker this day, Pastor Iliase, uh, is that the wealthy, I mean, money works for the wealthy ones, while the poor actually work for money. Mm-hmm. I hope we get
2: that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, money works for the wealthy while the poor actually work for money. And so my question then is that how much money do I have to have to be able to
3: for the money to be able to begin to work for Very very good question. I think one of the simplest way is to if you use a 10-10-10 plan, I think it's a very simple way to do it. So, Let's say you make 2000 take $200 as a starting point there, right? But the point is that no amount is small when it comes to allowing money to work for you. So every one of us here can place ourselves in a position where some of our money is working for us. And again, to make it much easier, I think if you use a 10-10-10 plan, use 10% of your money and put it away to let it start work. As, as you grow in your money knowledge and in your effort, you increase that over time. But the simple answer is that one does not have to be rich to be able to allow money to work for him or her. The smallest amount, you can be surprised that as small as $50, $50 could make a huge difference in your finances. If, if we have a child, for example, and you invested $50 on the child behalf, by the time the child tells you your age, the child will be a millionaire. Simple. You literally change your family tree financially because you invested a small amount and allowed time to work on your behalf, collaboration with compound interest. So as pastors' action, I guess it's for all of us, the simple answer is that no amount is small. In a simple formula, just use 10% of what you get as a starting point. It could be less, it could be more, but that would be a great starting point. Hallelujah, excellent. Point and remark on that. Somebody behind back. I'll go there first. Okay. Hallelujah.
2: Thank you, sir, for the lecture. Uh, My question is, I have three questions. So the first one is, what is the difference between traditional 401k versus Roth 401k and Roth IRA? Which one is better?
3: Is it all? The three so questions
2: one question. One question okay the second question is about I remember I asked this question as the parent. Social security mm-hmm. and investing in its costs okay and then my the last one is okay when do you pay your tax? is it after you remove your 10 10 10 plan?
3: Oh, before you. Take. Okay, let, let me start from there. <laughs> let me start from the beginning. I was not a, bar, a Hallelujah. <laughs> Good question. So the ten percent plan, remember, ten percent of your gross income. You can do that with that right? Or if it's a ten percent, if you do a gross income, is that right? So before you pay your taxes, you are paying the money on top of it so in a nutshell if some of the taxes goes to the government and some comes to you then naturally you have to pay the 10 percent on that also because you give the money before you know you pay your taxes is that right but if you give your money on your net after the government has taken your taxes you know pretty much the point is that you give your your 10 now is that right and then you save, and that 10% is saving, another 10% is investing. They're right. So the timing—it's all. If you are paid, you know, every two weeks or once a month or every week, if you get your paycheck, again, a simple formula is if you are getting the net, if your net income is what you are paying your tight on, it means that the government has, take, has taken the taxes away. But if they give you back the taxes at the end of the year, then it means you can also pay 10% of the, on their returns because they withheld that portion of your own money and then you know, they give it back to you. But you give it on the gross, it means that you're giving the money on everything that you earn before they take the taxes. So in naturally, you're not obligated, in a sense, to want to calculate a small tax, but you're welcome to give. I'm sure the church will be glad to receive. So that's <laughs> that's my simple answer to that 10. So the 10, 10 10 is from whatever you receive, if you want to go with your net income, that's fine. Whatever you receive, 10%, and then your tight and you know savings and then investing. It's a very nice, simple formula. Now, concerning 401k, rough, you know, IRA, and then you know, rough uh 401k. For those who may not understand, just investment, uh, retirement vehicles is available in workplaces. Now, the simple difference is that if it's traditional, whether it's 401k or IRA, it means that it's called pre-tax. You're not paying taxes yet. Mm -hmm. If it's Roth, it means that you are paying already your income tax on it before you contribute. Which means that when the money comes to you, if it's a traditional or regular 401k or regular or traditional IRA, it means when the money comes to you down the road, now you will pay the income tax on the money. But if it were to be a Roth account, whether it's Roth 401k or Roth IRA, then it means that all the taxes has already been paid. And therefore, when you take the money, you do not pay income tax. With a few conditions to it. For example, you know, you have to 59 and a half, you should have, you know, put the money in at least for five years if it's a, you know, rough IRA, you know, and then other exceptions before you can draw the money on tax free, Okay, we go into a bit more detail, but generally, if it's rough, it means you paid income tax, you don't, have to, you don't have to pay income tax again. But if it's traditional, it means you have not paid income tax. So whatever the tax rate is, when you are ready to withdraw the money, that's what you pay. If today your income tax bracket is say 10 or 15 or 20 percent, you could have paid the income tax today on it before you invest or you save and let it grow. But if you don't do that and you do it rather wait until the end to pay, then if the state government changes, the laws changes, income tax bracket changes. And at that time, maybe your income tax is say 45% you pay income tax at your current income tax bracket. Yes. That's what sometimes when we do, you know, financial planning, we do tax planning, we try to explain and help you understand what is most important and best for you to do it now or later. So you can. some people it what best to do it now, some it works to do it later, but that's the important element. And I believe the, dif- the last question you had was different between para, subscription, and stock investment. Okay, again, People may not understand PERA is you know an investment or retirement account for those who work in you know hospitals and teachers and all that. I happen to work with a lot of teachers in the school districts and you know you know, people in the healthcare system that contribute to para. Okay. Now, if you are continuing to para based on your number of years of service and you know your age, there's a certain benefit to you get. Social security, however, all of us, if you work anywhere that you make social security contributions. Then when you retire, all mean if you get something, if you work for yourself, make sure you're also contributing. So Social Security, you can only start getting out of it, you know, from it when you are 62. Now I will recommend everybody's different, but based on general principles, if you can wait, every year you wait, your social security benefit increases by 8% all the way to age 70, it will increase by 8%. If you take it early, it will decrease permanently. So again, for some people, it may not be realistic to wait because of whatever reason it may be, but when we work with you one-on-one, we can help you understand. So I would recommend everybody, know this website, ssa.gov. That's social security administration, social security administration, ssa.gov. I would encourage you to go to their website and create your account. It will tell you how much you are projected to receive from social security when you retire. It can help you with your planning. I do it a lot for clients and people I meet with to help you with your planning process. So these are my responses to your three questions. Stocks, as for stocks, it depends on your, Risk tolerance, you know, how ready are you to lose money? You know, and there's no one answer that fits all. We have to look at your personal situation to make sure that uh, that kind of investment will fit you. But if you already have 401k, you have para, I'm telling you, your money is in the stock market already. So if you want to be able to invest more, we have to look at your risk profile to see how risk tolerance or risk averse you. in other words, how willing are you to lose money? And okay. take opportunity and then we can work with you to help you design something that will be helpful. So these are my responses to the hope answers that okay. there was somebody behind Pastor before. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next. Oh
2: so my question is how do you work with that? Because a lot of younger people have um trouble saving because as soon as you leave college, you come out. With a whole bunch of debt they expect you to start paying off six months later so how can you incorporate that into the
3: 1010 thing okay question before i continue out you know i know there'll be a lot of questions We may not expect everything but i would like to be able to meet everyone if i can possibly so here's what i want you to do you know uh i want you to take your phone if you believe that you know have some time to go through this will be helpful for you and text your first name and last name to this number. If you can put it on the screen for me, 720 575 1505. You can put it on the screen. Just text your first and last name to that number. That way I can give you a call and set some time to do in a meeting, either in, in person or virtual, to answer some of questions and put, help you to put into practice some of these concepts. The number is 720. 720- five seven five one five zero five just takes your first and last name and then we get back to you but your question debt um first of all I, sometimes we do sessions specifically on debt okay on debt or credit i didn't touch on it at all but credit by itself is not bad okay credit is not bad you have to know how to use it to your advantage and the system of this country and this world is designed that there's something called other people's money. You have to use other people's money, especially for investing. So it's critical to understand that and know how to work on your credit in order to make sure you are getting the best interest rate and everything. But directly your question about debt, I think part of the financial planning and management is to manage your debt. And I think one of the best things you can do for yourself if you're still young and going to college is to minimize your debt coming out of college. I'm a fan of higher education. I have a master's degree working on so many other things, but I think it's a disservice to you financially in the future to come out of college and debt it with hundreds of thousands of debt for a degree for which a lot of people change thereafter and never use it in their careers. So you need to, first of all, take on debt for college that makes sense, but explore other avenues to pay for college. There are many ways you can pay for college and minimize your debt going into college and coming out of college. There's several you have to put in the work to be able to, especially being a minority or you know, people of color, the opportunities, the female and everything that you can tap into. However, if you came out and have huge amount of debt, then we have to sit down and look at all the debt you have, what are the interest rates and all the options so that you can prioritize what debt to pay first. Sometimes it may be better, some people to pay the debt with the highest interest rate. Okay, because if you do that, you reduce the total payment over a lot period of time. For some people, there's something called the snowball effect where you want to pay the smallest debt first to give you momentum to be able to you know, do the next. But you have to put a strategy together to see what kind of your debt or the student debt credit card debt and everything you have to tackle to bring all the debt down because the lower your debt, the more money you have at your disposal to invest and do other things. And I think that even though I didn't spend time on it, we should all seriously work on our credits, very seriously, we provide a service like that. These days, I don't spend a lot of time, but even for those who need it, we can try help. But working on the credit is important because anytime I'm going to buy any big ticket item, like a mortgage for a new home, or you really need a vehicle to go around or something, if your credit is good enough, then your interest rate will be smaller. So less money is going out and you're keeping more of your money for investing. So to answer your question, to manage debt, first of all, don't create those kinds of debt at all if possible. But if it does happen, then we have to prioritize to know which one to deal with first based on the interest rate, the momentum, and the encouragement know, to help you uh, tackle that. So you're freeing more funds for investing and in doing things that is important to you. Last one. Thank you, Pastor, for so your yeah. um, enlightenment. Sister to talk about the
2: Roth IRA, the IRA. The, the 401k and the stuff like that. Some of us, we have opportunity to contribute at the places of work, but sometimes when you leave that job, these things are not transferable. That's one thing that really kicked me back. It, what am I doing? I only had one that I, when I was working with Denver Public Schools that was transferable. But then I at that time I did take it serious. Now, what do you advise? And there are, you talked about different kinds of insurance. The ones that you can invest that gives you advantage while you're still living for living benefits. So, what do you advise as an expert on your field to either contribute to 401k or for?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All the IRAs and the rot and all of that, or to do this kind of investment in the life insurances that your money can also work for you. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we in the medical field we move, we move around, so we cannot sustain any. Are there are there for one case that are sustainable that you can you know move around with? That's
3: my question. Okay, so the virtual the answer is the fact that most for k plans, retirement plans, you should be able to, if you leave the job, there should be provisions in the plan document to transfer your money, you can cash it out, and then there are various options to do that. Unless you look at your specific case to analyze why you can move it. Unless it's like a pension plan where you have to do a certain number of years you know, if you, are, you have not completed enough years that you cannot take the money out, then it's a different, it's a pension plan. But most 401ks are mostly your own contribution. So you should be able to normally transfer to another plan or at least roll it over because something roll over into an higher rate And, we, you know, I can help with that, rolling over your money. A lot of people have money in so many places. You know, I, had, I worked here, I don't remember where the money is. Well, we can help you track it down and roll them over, consolidate everything to help you with your planning. So that is very possible. Now to your question about what you invest in a 401k IRAs or casual life insurance contract, everybody's different, but as a general principle, if your company offers 401k, number one, and then the company matches you, if they have a matching contribution to a certain percentage, my recommendation is that contribute up to the percentage of the company will match you dollar for dollar. Okay? So if they say, yeah, we, come to, we match up to, say, 5%, then I'll say, stop there, make a contribution to the plan up to the percentage of the company matches you dollar for dollar. Now, everything about it, okay, now, pay your income taxes, all that, and then put it somewhere else where you can control. Like, you know, some rough IRAs are good options, casual policies are good options, maybe other dividend paying stocks and everything else that may work better for you. Because that way, if your company is offering the matching contribution, if you don't contribute, you're losing money. Because it's only when you contribute that you get the match. So we don't want to lose any money, leave any money on the table, at least take it and bring it to church if you don't want it. (laughs) <laughs> and then, but contribute to the match. And then the rest, if you have opportunity to contribute more, we can help you see where to allocate it. Because especially if you, you have, you don't have the right insurance contract or you don't have any permanent, it should be a very good thing to use because the benefits are great. There's so many other features. It's not the only vehicle, but it's one of the tools that can be very useful for you in that respect. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> okay. 100%. Thank you for your
1: presentation. I want to ask this question because of this uh, recent event. I want to talk about the broker account. I I invested some amount in my broker account. When I started with my uh, advisor, he was talking to me about high risk and low risk. I decided to go for the low risk. <laughs> anyway, the money is growing. But recently, they are calling me to change my mind. From low to, to I. high risk. I've been ignoring them. Because I know the money is growing. And uh, probably because of the, because this has been a long time anyway that I invested this money. And you know the money is growing. Though sometimes when I lose, I don't lose much. I lose, but I don't lose much. So now they've been calling me, <laughs> writing this. <Thank> you. <laughs> don't you? my vibe. So I just want to ask: Do I try to, you know, go and uh, talk to them
3: and change my mind and go for oh, yeah. probably your high risk or whatever? Okay. Well, <laughs> the one thing I'll say, you know, from a traditional standpoint, about I mean, working in your best interests, it's not your mind that has to change. Is has your risk tolerance changed? Are you at a point where you feel like you can take more risk per se? Because just wanting to change your mind to do something different when your objectives have no change or your goals hasn't changed, it has to be in alignment with your overall financial objectives and goals, not just because the market is doing well and you want you know (laughs) take advantage of the uh, growth in the market, but it has to align with your financial objectives and your goals and your risk tolerance you may have to rerun you know uh, financial risk questionnaire again to see where you you stand in that respect and then from that you can make an informed decision because you seem to know that you are comfortable where you are and it's your money not yes okay it's your money so if you feel comfortable at the rate of growth in terms of your objective of the money you receive if everything goes way to then you want to stick of your plan, but if there has to be a change, it has to be in alignment with your goal, not just because somebody is calling, you, emailing, you, and writing to you to change your mind. No, it has to be in alignment with your risk profile and risk objectives and financial objectives. That'll be the last question so we can wrap up. You talked
1: about compound interest. Yes, I pay a monthly of 2000 every month, end of the month. And one of my friends told me as a compact interest, if I pay $1,000 after every two weeks, the years will reduce. So I want to know if that is true.
3: That's true. There is a way to pay a mortgage that will reduce your overall interest on the mortgage. Okay, but you have to do it well. You have to, you know, work it through well. And, and I'm happy to sit with you kind of show you and illustrate with you to show how it works effectively. Because again, the banks understand this. And when you try to do it, they sometimes make it hard for you, okay? So the whole idea is that a lot of time, the interest on your mortgage is calculated at the end of the month or beginning of the month. So if the money is paid towards your principal, if you split it to and pay a certain amount towards the principal, then the total balance left at the end amount for them to calculate the interest is smaller. And at the end of the several years, you will save up. So yes, by principle it's true, but it has to be done well. You may send a thousand dollar check and it's still not be applied to the principal the way it has to. Okay, so uh, if you do it effectively, especially one of the easiest ways, if you have some savings, you pay up one month up from done. When that happens, when you send extra money out to the mortgage company, they know you have already paid your month. So any money you they receive, if you instruct them apply to the principal, they have to be well. But if you are just sending in your money and you still haven't paid for the month, then even though it's don't applied to the principal, they may not because you still owe the mortgage for the month, and therefore it may not work well for it. So. The best is to kind of sit down you know, text your name, so we can sit down and you we'll with that, and show you some other option that can be effective to help you that. Great questions, thank you very much for us.